Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of the Force Center podcast feed is the Bad Batch Report. Roger, 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 roger. <laughs> this is great. This is one of those little bits that evolves to, at some point, it will just not be recognizable. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
If you're just uh, recently listening to the Bad Batch Report, uh, it's kind of a little holdover from our Clone Wars report, uh, where Ken would often make some great uh, noises of, like, the news report, uh, and then it turned into drums. And now we're getting into uh, record groans and uh, battle droids doing musicals, which I absolutely approve of. Oh, we absolutely need that. That's uh, that's off-Broadway potential there. Like yeah, that. yeah. Someday, uh, maybe we'll hire someone to just take all of the different musical uh, little motifs you've made and blend them all together into a great dance track. <laughs> uh, that person would have lost some sort of fight, but yes, I'm willing <laughs> to put it that. And then we can uh, we can have the Aqualish listen to that. Anyway, enough about music. Uh, let's get into this show. We are talking about episode six of Bad Batch. It is called Decommissioned. I am Joseph Scrimshaw. And of course, the person who is making all the great noises with their mouth is Ken Napsock. Oh, that I do, that I do. Happy to be here as always for a, a great episode here. The six of the season. I can't believe we're already at six, buddy. Yeah, we're, we're already at six of who knows. This is great. Uh, I can't wait uh, to find out where it's all going. Uh, this episode was written by Amanda Rose Munez and directed by uh, Nathaniel Villanueva, another name that you see pop up a lot in that directing credits uh, for The Clone Wars. These episodes continue, Ken, to be like remarkably consistent in length for streaming. This episode was about 24 minutes long. What was your overall reaction? Did you love decommissioned, like it, struggle with it? What did you do? Well, I keep just loving the length that, which is, it's, I'm not surprised that this is, you know, the length and it, and, and it's consistent, but it's just, it, it makes it so much easier today. I had a, I was, a, I was a 5am wake up call and I was like, all right, I can concentrate for 24 minutes. I could do this. I could do this. <laughs> do it again and again and again. But as far as the actual episode, I, I loved it. Whereas last week was an episode I had a lot to take from, a lot for me to enjoy, but it might have been, ah, you know, okay, cool. I, I liked it. It's an episode so far. Not a map, but just like, like I really loved it, but there was others I loved more. This is an episode I can say I, it might be outside of the first episode, which is kind of its own thing at 70 minutes in a, in a mini movie there. Uh, this might have been my favorite episode so far. Yeah, this one was a really big one for me in terms of just tying together all of the different ideas, all of the growth, and all of the aesthetics. You know, I think is this is definitely a standalone mission filled with like lots of cool action in the tradition of Clone Wars in particular, uh, but a lot of ideas at work. So it never just felt like, eh, the shooting's fun. Like the shooting, uh, the why of the shooting was always present. We need the why of the shooting. It makes the, the shooting more important and valuable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So any other like specific overall reaction for you of why this one popped? Yeah, it, it was uh, such a wonderfully written, uh, self-contained episode that connects to so much. And it connects to, and I, I, a little bit later I might dive into even, um, not questioning, but just like analyzing and talking, just have some thoughts about like what Bad Batch is doing and, and, and saying like, you don't have to know everything, but uh, it, I don't even saying it's really it really helps if you know everything. I think it's just inviting you to to know everything, which which is great. And a lot of people want that kind of stuff, and 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 so that this episode worked from that. You talked about the 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 imagery, the motif, the feeling, the vibe, but also the emotional canon is huge, and the importance, the weight of this episode. When I think that the the complete tale of the Bad Batch is told, you're going to go back to this episode as a big turning point for them uh when, when big questions the, the questions that hunter is being forced to to wrestle with at the end of this episode when, when they start answering those questions uh, 
I, I think we'll look back at this episode as, as, as realizing how important it was for Trace and Rafa to, to ask those questions of them, uh, literally or, or uh, figuratively over the course of the episode. So I really love that. You mentioned the look, uh, the action. It just all it just worked. And dare I say, it's very critic critic like it was firing on all cylinders. <laughs> yes, it was a an emotional and physical thrill ride. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love what you're talking about, and we can we can save it to talk about later. But it really struck me with this episode too. Of I yeah, I think um, anyone could sit down and watch this episode and they were given the information they needed and they could understand what was happening and they could enjoy the action and the character moments. Uh, but it is now operating in this weird world where, you know, if you know Trace and Rafa, that hits differently. Uh, if you have find yourself in the weird life position to have a deep emotional reaction to a tactical droid's head, <laughs> yeah. it lands different, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy to, to dive into that uh, yeah. at some point if you want to. But for me, yeah, I think I, I was thrilled that this episode was a, a pretty direct follow up uh, to last week's episode, which was the cliffhanger where Sid was basically like, I can kind of, you know, demand that you work for me and uh, mm. hold the fact that I know you're valuable and there's something going on with you. I can hold that over your head and I can kind of force you to work for me. Uh, and I love that this was just direct follow up. It was a uh, fun, action packed adventure. Uh, but the fun was balanced out by the great sort of visual imagery mm. that they were just in a burning industrial hellscape. <laughs> yeah. So I say fun in that, like, yeah, the action was thrilling. It was well, you know, uh, orchestrated so that the um, audience was engaged. Uh, mm. But there was nothing fun about it for the characters, right? <laughs> this yeah. Is like yeah. a burning industrial hellscape that's like one of those great just images that. Uh, shows like this can do that science fiction can do really well of uh, they look like they're fighting inside their own souls you know uh, no, was I, I love that we are on, on sort of the ground level of the galaxy as this big switch over happens. And, and we might eventually get to some upper crust settings or something like that. I'd love to see that too. But but so far, you know, even with Ord Mantell and the great little beat at the end of, you know, here it's kind of seedy. Yeah, isn't it great? But just uh, I, I, you and I have often talked about and celebrated even. Uh, that the, the, this is where the, the oppression of the empire is felt and, and will be really felt. And so I, I really love that we're, that's the, that's the world we're playing in right now or the part of the galaxy we're playing in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I feel like the show does a, a great job of ha having this feel like, yep, this is the one adventure that they have here with a beginning and a middle and an end of their mission on Corellia. But it so continues uh, all the big themes of the absence of Crosshair, uh, Omega's growth, uh, <laughs> poor Wrecker's head. Uh, who, who did the Bad Batch want to be in this new world? All those big things. But I think what I really loved the most about this episode is that it continued the themes from uh, previous episodes and i think is kind of going to be the the big idea of the whole show is that it is everything is given weight by telling the story of the sudden horrific galactic change mm. and the fact that we went to corellia great we can talk about that but it's really starting to to come together with all the individual episodes it's like we're going on a tour of the galaxy to show oh. how different places are affected by the empire and to show that everywhere is affected by this change right um mm -hmm. we've really gone on a tour of planets that especially if you're kind of an all-in star wars fan you know right uh camino mm -hmm. andron the slukamai yeah, pantora yeah. ord mantel corellia now it's kind of got me excited to like well where are we going to go next and if we go there it will be that fun oh wow cool 
we're going to this planet that I am a fan of because I'm a Star Wars person. But it will also be to tell the story of, are they cheering for the Empire there on Pantora? Are they, like on Seleucami, going, oh, crap, this is bad. we got to get out of here. Or are they just forced to, uh, you know, have a, a t- totally different kind of like um, work and society ethos like Corellia? That's a great point. I'd love to uh, chat about that for a second. Of, of, of it is fun. Or, or Mentel is great to to hear and see. We, we love those, and, and the Bentora thing was great. Yeah, I, I, a lot of us uh, list, watching uh, and and those listening probably got really excited at Corellia for myriad reasons. But the way behind it, the use of it, it's not just Ringo Starr and his All Star Band of planets. You know, like there is some <laughs> great purpose uh, when we go there. Uh, and and, and if, so, what I see working as as a setting it up and we can talk about how this starts to really connect with the rest of the Star Wars story that we're familiar with, but really just going through the galaxy, like you're saying and going, let's take a checklist of how this is affecting everyone. And and these names and planets that you've lived with your entire life as a fan, we're going to really analyze what's going on here in small little bite-sized chunks. We we obviously don't have a three-part documentary on Corellia in the early days, but (laughs) yeah, it's working for me on that level. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah, and I'm really. It makes me really hopeful that we'll get to bounce to lots of familiar places and see uh, see what's going on there, as well as just see them beautifully rendered in this amazing animation. Um, let's dive into the the big themes as we always do. What ideas were at stake in this episode? What were you feeling there? So I always, it's almost. I, I kind of do this on purpose. I do this kind of theme worksheet here, where I, I almost want to show my work on how I get the answer. <laughs> uh, and there's some big themes that uh, are clearly emerging: the the idea of teamwork and working for something beyond yourself, which leads into the big theme of choosing sides. And I've just pulled a t- ton of quotes from this episode, but in putting it all together and putting it down on paper, I focused on this one here, uh, and, and it spiders off into a lot of things we're probably going to talk about here today. But where does strength come from? Mm. And, and what is strength? And and uh, we start with Omega training, and now a lot of um, a lot of stuff come out of that little that little great little training sequence, and it plays in the episode. And we got this idea of uh, you know she's got to t- tune out distractions and, and all this kind of stuff. And and but but Sid w- with a with an insult that I as as a, a little wispy kid heard a lot growing up of uh, noodle arms. I, I I've been called that by family members before. <laughs> um, Sid says that and it's a fun little beep, but it's true in the sense of the actual mechanics. And you see how well she shoots and anyone who's worked a bow. I don't have uh, success uh, working bows, but, uh, you know, you could just take it on the surface. But throughout the episode, there's all these things that feed into what is true strength and where does it come from? And and you could have all the arm strength in the world, but if you don't have a team behind you, at one point, Hunter literally takes down takes down the support post. He says support post because you've got to tumble what's on top. Uh, and, and, and then uh, the idea of um, uh, there, there's uh, the moment where, where, where uh, Trace uh, uh, comes in and, and literally says, your arms are looking a little shaky, clearly uh, there, a little callback. And, and Omega doesn't, doesn't back down. And so I'm like, well, strength comes from resolve too. And all of the, these things flow nicely into the rebellion, by the way, the theme of teamwork, but that's kind of where I started the episode started with my theme journey. So, so to speak is what, what is strength and, and how do you build up your strength? Sid literally says that. And, and what are the factors that go into that? Oh, that's great. I think that's tying together a lot of great uh, little micro character moments to the very big macro moment of that's what we are trying to do, uh, Trace and Rafa, and uh, and everybody who is involved in various burgeoning pieces of the rebellion they're trying to topple. 
yeah. this uh, horrible oppressive regime that is growing. I love that. Uh, I think that's a great observation, the different ideas, and I really appreciate it as a fellow noodle arm. Uh, (laughs) My father uh, tried to teach me how to shoot a bow and arrow, and I got okay with it, Uh, but definitely there were some noodle arm challenges when I was young, so I related to Omega. Um, Yeah, yeah, I think for me, some of those same beats, I I processed through what I think was very explicit, particularly at the end of the show, about choosing sides, choosing your fight, but... um, but maybe this connects with your the way you were looking at strength. I really started thinking about it uh, from the perspective of autonomy, of mm-hmm. do you get to choose your fight or do you even choose to choose your fight or yeah. do you just do what you're told? And I thought there were a lot of great different mm-hmm. permutations of that. You know, uh, we know that the Bad Batch is used to just following orders and Hunter even has the great quote at the end to make that crystal clear of saying, to be honest, things were clearer when we were just soldiers. Uh, the top of the episode, really following up on kind of the cliffhanger from last week, is that Sue, Sid just chooses not only this mission without knowing what it's about or who it's for, but chooses that they're going to do it at all. And it's a fun, jokey line, but at the beginning, Sid says, allow me to decide for you, you're mm-hmm. in. <laughs> and when Hunter kind of agrees, she's like, yeah, I know, I already told you, you're in. So it's like really underlined right away that Bad Batch is kind of handing over their autonomy like when they were soldiers they're just they feel like they're over a barrel so they're just acting for sid you know and and we know that they they haven't been fighting for anything they've been protecting omega but they've just been fighting you know uh to get by to get the next thing to stay alive to keep one another safe uh and then we get this great contrast where we learn that trace and rafa are making this very active choice to fight the empire they know exactly what they're fighting for and why uh, Rafa's uh, uh, got that great line at the end of uh, take it from me in the end we all choose sides mm-hmm. and then I fe- feel this even gets reinforced by the um, the great constant comedy slash tragedy of the battle droids that the right. the clankers are just uh, following whatever orders are beamed to them and we even get that great line from uh, one of the B1 uh, droids uh, orders are orders <laughs> Yes. Don't have yeah. a blaster. Don't even have hands. But I'm just going to do what I'm absolutely told. And it's basically the complete opposite of what these droids have been doing for years. Right. Yeah. Um, it, two other things to this that, I, that I'd like to talk to you about. Um, for me, the, the kind of choosing your fight, choosing your autonomy, that kind of made Omega's crossbow journey resonate with me thinking about it that way. Like, I love what you're saying about strength. and That makes so much uh, sense. But I also like this idea that it's a very literal visual of Omega, you know, developing the strength in the choice of where is she pointing that weapon? Who is she shooting at? You know, where are you kind of pointing your weapon? Where are you pointing your strength? It was like, for me, that that made the, the crossbow uh, really resonant with the theme as well as just being this is Omega coming of age and getting her her signature right. weapon like I hope she was going to. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot to that weapon. There's a lot to those moments. Uh, uh, I absolutely agree with you there, on, on, and it can represent so much. Uh, and this idea, too, of digging into the end of you're working for something beyond yourself, I, I love at the end, you say, it, it's so clear, right? Uh, you, you, if you if you miss this big theme, you're working to miss it. <laughs> yeah, you just you, you got hit in the head with it like your wrecker. Like like your wrecker. And there's nothing wrong with that, is making the ideas very crystal clear. Yeah, but choosing sides and, and, and that kind of stuff and, and – uh, 
uh, the, what's the hunter says, to be honest, things were clear when we were just soldiers going into the orders thing going in. But I love that. I love it. It's, it's very honest. It's a, he literally says to be honest, but you can see him just almost kind of like, yeah, let me just tell you what's going on because going back to even some of the Sid stuff, the Bad Batch does need credits. They are trying to protect Omega. They got some purpose, but they're really doing this for survival. It's not a survival like a power grab. It's just trying to get by. And I meet, think I look at uh, Trace and Rafa when when we met them in season seven of Clone Wars. That could describe them in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, just doing it to get by. And then once you start uh, being exposed uh, and learning who you are and and connecting and, to, and thinking beyond yourself. Uh, I think it's Rafa has a great line of just, who am I? Who are you? And I just <laughs> love that. That's kind of one of the themes uh, that, that is just put in the, the bad batch's face. Tech even has a reaction, kind of a head hang dog expression of, yeah, Oh gosh, we just, we just, we're just out here trying to survive, not connecting anything big. It, it's on their faces. Yeah, no, you said a bunch of great stuff there. I, I think it's really great at, that at this point, the bad batch have decided what they don't want to do. They don't want to serve uh, the empire, uh, as Tech will tell you. Uh, they have ideological differences, uh, but they haven't decided what they are fighting for at this point, and that's great. And I think that we can talk more about uh, about Trace and Rafa, uh, Rafa in particular. But I think it's very, very purposeful that this is a journey she has gone on. Right? She has been yeah. on a mission that's just for the credits and doesn't care about the the why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing for me, uh, under this big theme of choosing your your fights and, and do you have autonomy to choose what you're fighting for, is the uh, both funny but mostly tragic wrecker stuff really, mm. really fell into that, right? That we've got this uh, increased clarity in this episode that Wrecker is probably going to lose the ability to choose his fights very soon. It seems like with mm. every head strike, uh, it, we hear him getting closer to wanting to obey order 66 right or wanting to just fall yeah. in line he starts mumbling uh, after this latest head injury uh, that good soldiers follow order uh, he hears crosshair's mm-hmm. voice saying good soldiers follow orders so it's this very ominous contrast right as mm-hmm. hunter and and maybe other members of the bad batch are really given thought to what are we fighting for what do we want to fight for we need to make a choice and knowing that Wrecker is probably going to lose the ability to make a choice any moment now. Yeah, I love, too, that this is uh, now pretty clear. You know, there's I don't think there was any too much debate on what was going on with Wrecker uh, other than, you know, drank too many White Claws the night before. I understand sugary drinks, but now he, he it's the chip and we know it. And so now it's this ticking, um, ticking clock of, of uh, uh, you know, storytelling tactic that, that helps with the themes that you're talking about that we're talking about here today. We know what's going on. So we know that's how that's going to run up against uh, what the team is learning, what the team will be trying to accomplish. Yeah, and, and it's this great tension of not knowing exactly how or when that right. horror is going to happen, but knowing it's, it's coming in some way or another is mm-hmm. really, really great. Uh, any other sort of big ideas or themes for you? No, I mean, it's uh, pretty much, um, pretty much, I mean, I, I, working from beyond uh, yourself, uh, uh, we can start transitioning to how that connects, which is, I, 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 we, it's funny, this has come up a lot now, but it, it's, I, I, Shmi, Anakin, no one helps anyone, that's the problem, that whole thing, <laughs> it just keeps coming up in a lot of our conversations over the last uh, couple episodes. It really does, and I want to dive into that in just a moment, because uh, I feel like, mm-hmm. For me, that was like uh, one of the big connections to the rest of Star Wars morality and perspective and all that. Um, 
But one other theme I wanted to talk about in the episode that I thought was kind of um, strong in this particular episode is this idea of what has value. Uh, mm. Almost every episode, I feel like the themes are about shifting identity or shifting values, but this one really, uh, again, underlined it, uh, bonked you on the head uh, like Wrecker, <laughs> yeah. uh, that the idea that the MacGuffin of this episode, the thing that moves everything is that the tactical droid's value has just entirely changed. Uh, Tech even mm. says very clearly, with clones now serving the Empire, knowing how to defeat them just went up in value. So the tactical droid's head, <laughs> this yeah. idea of all of this learned knowledge to defeat the clones mm. is now, it's the exact same thing, but now we're looking at it from an entirely different point of view. And then that seems to kind of uh, echo out too with what we're actually seeing in this foundry on Corellia. And this is where I think if you're mm -hmm. kind of a little bit more of an all-in Star Wars fan, it makes a difference to know that, oh, wow, the battle droids' bodies appear to be melted down probably to become new Star Destroyer hulls. Right. <laughs> Maybe early TIE fighters, right? The fact that the mm -hmm. battle droids uh, still have uh, value, but it's changed. They're, they're mm -hmm. just metal to be remade into a uh, new and different machinery for Palpatine to crush people with. Yeah. I was going to say the, the machines of war keep marching on there. And uh, that's a great little cannon bit of information we got and, and, and not a, you know, not a huge cannon bit, but I was fascinated by that too. But I also, the meaning of it, uh, not lost on me as well, but where you are just knowing, uh, seeing Cornet sitting in the background and just picturing the star destroyers overhead that we'll see being built later on in solo. It was effective. Yeah, and it, it was really like, uh, I don't know, it, I don't think the episode was explicit on this, and maybe there'll be more canon, but there was a part of me that was like, you know those battle droids uh, from the Phantom Menace that people weren't sure about in 1999? Uh, their melted down bodies might be part of the Star Destroyers from the original trilogy, like literally, you know? <laughs> uh, take that. I don't know why I'd be aggressive with it, but yes, <laughs> yes, no, I like that. Everything is connected. And then I think uh, that a lot of what, what was going on in the episode is exactly what you're talking about is, is connection. It is people choosing uh, a, a better way. And a lot of what truly had value, obviously, Trace and Rafa and the Bad Batch all wanted to complete their mission and get that tactical droid's head. Uh, but their actions really made it clear that to them, the true value is people and family, right? They're, mm -hmm. they're, making choices again and again to try to complete the mission, but not at the cost of hurting one another. You know, even even the Bad Batch using the stun bolts on the workers, you know, was a very uh, on-purpose thing. And then all these great connections that come up because Bad Batch and Trace and Rafa are, are closer in what they value than maybe they initially realize. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the this big theme of... Um, you know, uh, helping one another in the galaxy. Uh, I kind of thought of it about it from the perspective of uh, kindness begets kindness. Mm -hmm. And I felt in a good way, the shadow of a Sokotano, right? Because yeah. not that long ago in, in the scheme of things, she met uh, Rafa and Trace. Rafa was really out for herself. Mm -hmm. uh, Ahsoka was wanting to reconnect to her Jedi values and through helping Rafa and Trace, Ahsoka really recommitted to that her Jedi value is if you see people in need, you help them. And now here Rafa and Trace are running around the galaxy trying to help people. And then I feel like that sort of that kindness begets kindness. Let's help one another just uh, echoes out uh, through the episode. Yeah, that goes out through the episode and, and through the rest of the galaxy and over the course of 
days, months, years, decades. It will all come to a great, important uh, uh, purpose. And along the way, it's important. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I, I love, I love what you're saying here. I love the connection. I love the. Um, you can't help but have some Ahsoka vibes, and we're not just talking about potential stuff at the end, but it just all through it. It it uh, it really tracked well for me going back to season seven of Clone Wars. Yeah, and then I I feel like it's just this idea that pops up in Star Wars that one kind action uh, begets another kind action, and and cruel actions can can lead to a cycle of violence or hate, right? And mm-hmm. one of the things I really love in Rise of Skywalker is that chain of uh ray helping the vexus and uh the you know bb8 seeing that and helping dio and on and on you know that that just literal chain uh and i felt like that was going on in this episode too of you know trace turns back for omega and then Mm -hmm. hunter has when when uh trace actually saves omega hunter has that really deep honest great delivery of thank you you know, yeah. and then it becomes from Hunter, if we want to get out of here, we need to work together. And Tech and Trace do work together uh, to reactivate the battle droids. And and by the time they're done with all of these uh, exchanging moments of, of empathy and helping one another, Hunter trusts Trace and Rafa enough to, mm. you know, give them the data rod. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, data rod's a fun thing to say. I'll rephrase that uh, <laughs> next time. Sorry about that. Anyway. Uh, data rod it is. <laughs> he passes on the information to his friends. Yes. <laughs> Yes. No, it, it works so well. It, it, it is a baton of goodness indeed. And uh, when I asked uh, the question up top of, of, of um, you know, how do you build strength? Where do you get strength from? And how this starts to connect into the whole thing? You start laying it down on the story map. These are all the pieces, you know, you build up strength, not just from physical stuff, resolve, uh, tuning out distractions, uh, connecting teamwork around you. You build that up. And then what do you do with that? You got to connect to a bigger picture. You got to do something outside of yourself. You got to choose a side. And if you don't, with what's going on, you're going to choose one regardless. Um, so it's nice to maybe uh, get outside that little bubble there, not be a Sid. Eh, we got nothing in Sid yet. We'll see the whole story. But um, I love it. And it just rolls. This is the rebellion. Uh, not, not, it doesn't have a capital R on it yet, but, but it's the rebellion for me. Yeah, no, I love what you said there. And I think that really echoes a lot of other themes in Star Wars, even going back to uh, A New Hope when Han makes the choice to turn around mm-hmm. and help Luke. This idea of the battle is so pitched, even right at the beginning of the Empire, that mm-hmm. you are going to choose a side by not choosing a side in this particular instance, you're going to end up, if you think you're just doing things for money for yourself, uh, you are going to end up choosing a side. So you might as well do it uh, on purpose. <laughs> you you could almost, apathy. Yeah. You could almost hear Obi-Wan saying you form a symbiotic circle. <laughs> yeah. You must do what you plugged feel in. is right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> you're plugged in though. You're plugged in uh, some way, somehow. And, and I love it. Yeah. The other thing for me uh, of connections to the larger story, uh, Star Wars storytelling is just this is a story of coming of age, like many Star Wars mm-hmm. stories. There's a lot of other things going on, uh, but every episode it is clear and present and in the front that uh, Omega is changing and growing. Uh, and I really liked that there was no discussion, <laughs> no possibility of leaving Omega behind on Ord Mantell. And maybe oh, yeah. that's because it's very seedy. But for me, it was great to feel like, well, we had those episodes early on where they got a bunch of great parenting advice from from Sulaquane in particular of, hey, kids are going to get in trouble. You just got to be there to watch out for them. And, and we have the episode where Omega makes it really clear 
uh, I don't want to be left behind. I want to be part of the squad. And they give her the, the equipment and they make her part of the squad. And I think a lesser show might backtrack on that a little bit and have a, a scene where they try to convince her to say on Ord Mantel. And I really appreciate the forward movement of we've dealt with those issues. She's not going anywhere and she wants to be a part of the squad. And Hunter, at least, is going to respect that decision. So she's there in this dangerous <laughs> hellhole. Yeah. You know, and, and that's a real coming of age story. Look, it's, uh, you know, it's tough. It, they're in a tough spot. I think they, 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 it's so right. It, it, and, and it's, uh, you're right. They don't question it. She is, she's actually part of the team and they're going to find a spot for her that they feel she's best suited for in the moment there. And that's going to continue to grow. And I think over time they'll have that, uh, the bigger votes of confidence. So, Hey, here it is. Hey, just sit and watch. Now things go a little wrong from there, but, uh, we get through it, but I, I love it. No, it's truly a team. Yeah. Some great team building. Any other, uh, big thoughts of how this episode connects to the larger story and perspective of star Wars? I honestly think we touched upon it, but it, it it's, I, that's why I love this episode. Uh, a little bit of what I was just saying, kind of this, uh, and I love it, your use of uh, you know, just kindness begets kindness and, and passing the baton of goodness on. It really is the Star Wars story. It really, this this episode really connects emotionally to New Hope. Uh, it connects emotionally to Rise of Skywalker. It, it, all of them. It just, it, it's what's going on. It's the it's the spiritual uh, battle uh, of the rebellion versus the Empire. It, it, it's not quite... Uh, uh, real yet, like I said, no capital R here. Radis hasn't come out of hyperspace yet, <laughs> but the spirit is there, and what's going on is already happening. We the the joke, you know, that we've made over time, and we talked joked about, man, Palpatine's got the new uniforms for everyone by the next morning. But that, as, as fun as that is to kind of talk in a in a, in a robot chicken kind of way, what is that? What does that really mean? It just means the machines of war are still going on, like you and I were talking about here, and the battle began. Whether you want it or not, the battle began. And this episode is really saying the galaxy's changed. Here's what's going on. Are, are you with us or against us? In, in a general sense, this whole episode. And I, I thought that was pretty powerful. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and it's uh, to paraphrase some of the lines from earlier in this show, this idea that Palpatine is still at war. He mm -hmm. is just at war with the people and he's hoping to defeat them before they notice. <laughs> yeah. 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 And And you could take all of this on the deeper level and apply it to real life and your, your life, like, like you and I often love to do with these themes. And you can, as a star Wars fan, I, it excites me. I don't want to say even more. I think they're both equal, but as a star Wars fan, I love this stuff. I've always talked about, I love the 19 years between episode three and episode four. Uh, and this is stuff. This is why you start to really see the dots are starting to connect and the dots are there. They're forming. And I just, I get really geeked up about it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I had uh, both like actual just uh, alone driving or brushing my teeth fascination with this time period. I made jokes to friends because that end of Revenge of the Sith feels so set of like, look, uh, he's Vader. Uh, they're, they're looking out at the Death Star being built. And now what happens for 19 years? Do Palpatine and Vader just stand around and, and <laughs> Vader just stands there while Palpatine like tells Vader his favorite cheeses because he just can. Uh, and this idea that it's done, it's locked, it's in place. Uh, and I've always been like, ah, yeah, but there's, there's got to be a lot of interesting things going on. And this, uh, it, it, there's tons of great books, tons of great comics, but this is a great on-screen, this is the Bad Batch's story, but through them it is the story of the beginnings of the Empire. Yeah. Pepper Jack. <laughs> Pepper Jack. Smoked a Gouda. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. Hours and hours of Palpatine saying cheeses coming well, soon on our special episode. Okay, but how, tortu- how torturous would that be? Because I don't think Vader can really eat any of that stuff. So he's probably like just visioning that uh, dinner with Padme where he's floating fruit, just going, I'll never touch that food again. I'm so angry. Yeah. I bet he can't even smell it. I mean, Palpatine's floating cheese up to his mask. He's like, Can you smell that? <laughs> can you smell the rope fart? Uh, no, no, it just all smells like lava to Vader, probably. Oh, man. All right, we are going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to discuss all these great moments. This was a great discussion, Ken, of what I am thinking of now as the data rod of hope. <laughs> we'll be back to talk all of our favorite moments in just a moment. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Red 
Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Back to continue our discussion of episode six of the Bad Batch Report, decommissioned. We like to talk favorite moments. This had a lot of action. Ken, what were your favorite action moments? I, you know, I, I got to get better at my notes. Um, I, I, I focus on so many other things, especially local connections, and I always go back and go, oh, I didn't, I didn't write down a lot of action stuff, um, but I did write uh, these things down. Uh, there was a Omega's. I'm calling it Omega's slide, tuck and roll, and grab to get the droid head. <laughs> You know, here we I are. Had, I wrote it down as slide, roll, and head grab. So I'm glad we're we're on the same page. <laughs> we're on the same page. Put that on a T-shirt. Um, because by the way, again, we're talking about strength and this and that. And yeah, you know, maybe she uh, does a push up or two and can work that bow. Fine, that might be a fact of working a bow. But she's got an, her own kind of strength and her own kind of skills, which is what we were talking about earlier about Bad Batch knowing that and accepting that and finding the best ways to use her in these big missions. And and that was just a great little moment for me of like, yeah, you did that with flair. Yeah, I really loved that moment because it was a good action moment for Omega, but it did just elicit all these things. That's what the Bad Batch is about, is being unique and having these different skills, and it feels like they're off their game, as this episode reminds us, because uh, they're used to Crosshair being a part of their unit, and they kind of keep slipping up because uh, they don't have that lookout who's working quite right. So to see not only Omega get the crossbow, which I was so excited that that she got it back at the end, and it is kind of going to be her signature weapon, because uh, it's developing this uh, individuality, but also like the, yeah, this is what I'm good at. I, you know, I can uh, dart into places that other people can't, you know, and doing that little roll through the legs and grabbing the head is awesome. Yeah, I love that. Also, did you, so I literally, this is, uh, I'm keeping this in the show, but I just got a alert from Instacart that today is National Cheese Day. Did you know that when you referenced <laughs> Palpatine and cheese? No, it is the will of the force. I am connected <laughs> To the living cheese and the cosmic cheese can. Literally just came up my phone. It's National <laughs> Cheese Day. Oh, well, yeah, Palpatine's aware of that. Uh, anyways, sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, another, another, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Wrecker, if I may. Um, Please. Uh, you know, Wrecker's my my guy. Uh, I, I, far, not not because I'm super strong, but super dense sometimes I am. But I love Wrecker facing his fears. Now, it didn't help his head. <laughs> I didn't know what was that, but he faced his fears, man. And, and, and this goes back even when we first meet him in season seven, Clone Wars. We know this is a part of him, and he's got to do it. And I love that they're just kind of like, you know, uh, you know, I, I have a little bit of a baseball coach uh, background, and you know, sometimes rub some dirt and walk it off and, and figure it out might be the answer. It's not always the answer. You got to coach it to the individual. But I love that they're just like figure it out, Wrecker, which just means like you got to do this, man. You've got to do this, and he does. And I think he deserves it prize other than a head wound for that 
Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, there are some great record moments from the comedy to the tragedy. Uh, I'll save some of my record thoughts for the comedy because it was mm-hmm. something that made me laugh out loud. Uh, but, yeah, I loved the through line of him, uh, of mm-hmm. his fear of heights, uh, pushing past it. And knowing we, the audience, get to know that he's going through something dark and horrible up there of having right. his mind kind of taken away from him and having to kind of fight it off without even fully understanding what's happening. And then he yeah. still gets that big triumphant moment where he just jumps into the melee and does his classic record stuff, yeah. which is one of the moments I wrote down of like, look, uh, anytime that you can hit uh, <laughs> the people you're fighting with other people that you're fighting, you know, he picks up that police droid and classic yes. move, whacks the police droids <laughs> with another police droid and then uses the police droid as cover. Uh, just a uh, great use of his environment. Good old yeah. wrecker. I, I, I noted that down as well. It's just it's just it's just good thinking. Just good thinking. It's just logical. You got two threats, hit one <laughs> with the other. <laughs> uh, any other action moments for you? Uh, I just put uh, Hunter's big trick, which is the one about taking on the support to do the whole thing. It just, it looked beautiful. We talk about the show. Everyone's mentioned how just beautiful the show is. And you know what? I'm okay I'm keep continuing to mention that because I was thinking today, I was like, how great the show looks at, at one point is just going to be common and we're going to forget. Uh, you know, we're just going to forget how beautiful the show looks. Um, I think, you know, as a baseball guy, you'll watch some footage now and it's like high def. And I'll go back to see an old clip from like 2003, which I thought was modern times. And I'm like, am I watching like film on like a reel to reel? It's so old and grainy. So I want to take the time to appreciate how beautiful the show is now when we start forgetting uh, you know, it'll be sad. Uh, it's beautiful. And because of that, Hunter's trick and everything, the the grappling hook and everything about it, it looked so good. It felt good. There's a lot of energy to it. Love the direction of it. Yeah, I, I love moments where it is really the ingenuity of the characters as well. And I think that's so important in particular with uh, the Bad Batch. And Hunter being, you know, he, he's got the tracking, he's got the enhanced senses, you know, but he's also the leader who should be looking for clever solution so i love seeing that he had a clever solution and you're right i think it's got great uh, thematic weight as well of you know <laughs> questioning what you're supporting literally and i love what you're saying about the visuals because yeah sometimes uh things advance slowly where if you're engaged you it just kind of all blends together you know mm-hmm. for me playing video games a lot the video games just kind of kept getting better and i didn't really think about it and then uh, sometime in i don't know probably around like 2007 i was telling my friend you got to play goldeneye like have you seen goldeneye <laughs> they're rectangle people i can't play a video game with rectangle people uh, like, it didn't even occur to me because i didn't look back so i think it's it's rare when something takes such a clear leap forward like uh, clone wars season seven did and then bad batch where you're like damn uh, yeah, let, let's celebrate it. I think that's a great point. It's, well, I, I go back to baseball, but now video games, MLB The Show has a retro mode where you can play an older version of the video game. And then you're like, wow, I lived in the 19th century. <laughs> Did I need, need a manual crank to start this video game? <laughs> yeah. Is that how old it is? Yeah. Um, a couple of action moments for me. Uh, I, I put it under action because I think it's, it's setting up uh, action to come. Uh, I really loved Omega's crossbow struggle. I, I really loved how well it was depicted, the the <laughs> arms and the shaking, <laughs> yeah. the effort uh, to pull it back. I really liked Echo being the soldier trainer, mm-hmm. uh, which really made a lot of sense because Echo is the one who comes from a more traditional background. So he's passing that on to Omega and using, yeah. you know, the soldier word. 
and, and all that combined then with uh, Sid's awesome, uh, borderline frightening sharpshooting, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As of right now, I like Sid. You know, again, I, you know, she's we'll see. We'll see if she goes. And, and uh, she said she's just she's got to survive. She's down there on the ground. And that's that's part of what's going on is is, is some of these folks are just so uh, buried in it. They don't they don't necessarily see the big picture yet and eventually she'll choose but so i do love sid uh, i love I, well the echo thing was great because he says the line soldiers um was soldiers uh, need to be consistent mm-hmm. um and it's interesting to me because the other members of the of uh, the bad batch uh, have their own special skills and, and one would argue they're not consistent with the rest of the clones <laughs> yeah no <laughs> Yeah, but that's one of the things that's valuable from Echo being who Echo is. He is very different and unique because of his life experiences. But some of those life experiences are the reason he's called Echo, right? Is because he used to be obsessed with orders and regulations. So I love to see that bit of his character still there. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Great call. Yeah, uh, I debated my final one whether I would put it in comedy or action. But I went for action because I have Mm -hmm. too many in comedy. Uh, man, just some classic B1 action, right? Uh, yeah. Bittersweet. But the the one with no hands, you know, saying mm-hmm. orders are orders, throwing itself at the police droid with a scream was yeah. one of my favorite action and, and comedy moments. I, yeah, I, th- I think it, it, it uh, straddles the line there for sure. But uh, yeah, yeah odd, and oddly enough, yeah, again, we're, we're, you, you mentioned with the, the roundabout way with the, the, the metal of the droids being the starter stories you loved. But uh, now in, going back to 99, it's like I, I would not have thought of my first view of Phantom Menace were 99, where, where Roger Roger was the first thing to kind of maybe give me pause for the movie. Uh, uh, and that opening sequence there on the on the Trade Federation ship to go now where I'm now rooting for battle droids as they're fighting police <laughs> droids. I, I, it's like wow, it, Star Wars is a journey. Let it ride. Yeah, bittersweet, bittersweet. Uh, and just to to be clear, uh, I have no canon uh, confirmation that battle droids become star destroyers. Yeah. that's just where my mind went with no, no, uh, with Corellia. You're 100 percent right. But I, I I put a note later on lore, lore connections to talk about. Like it 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 struck me that that's. The, the skies above Corellia are empty pretty much here. And mm-hmm. we know later on that's not the case. And, and it just would make sense of where they get in that metal. Yeah. I mean, they're certainly repurposing the droids for mm-hmm. something uh, because, yeah, yeah. Palpatine's not going to let that go to waste. Um, any other action moments before we go on to moments of comedy, whimsy, and weirdness? Let's start chuckling. Uh, let's start chuckling. Where do your chuckles begin, Ken? What's your first chuckle? Uh, I want to go to a tech moment, which I, I know tech is so close to your heart, but uh, th- this is. Um, uh, you and I, you know, comedy theory, breaking down jokes and all that kind of stuff. Tech giving the info on the tactical droids, funny. We've mentioned that a lot. Funny. But tech being panicked and unable to resist the urge to explain it a second before, hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely great. That was my first one, too, that, yeah, Sid's explaining it, and he interjects really quickly to define a tactical droid. Yeah. And all, we talk a lot about these great Star Wars morals of uh, find out who you are, um, uh, appreciate your individuality, including even your flaws, and draw strength from the truth of who you are. And this is this great bit of comedy that comes from anxiety that mm-hmm. somebody else will take my shtick. <laughs> yeah, it is. If, if you're listening, go back and watch the episode. As she's talking, he because he's like playing a video game or something. He's like it, he's like, fixing space pinball. Yeah. yeah. And he flips around and he literally is like, uh, 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 he's like a chihuahua about to bite me when I come into <laughs> my fiance's office. It's, it's, it's a great moment. Yeah. And Sid's response really draws it out of this is my briefing goggles. Yeah. Great. So we got dark and broody for Hunter and goggles for tech. And we'll see what other insults uh, that Sid has upper sleeves. That's great. Uh, what's next for you? 
Um, I you, you you mentioned a little bit, but we got a ton of battle droid humor, and I know a lot of people, especially at our Force Center Discord, have been already just celebrating the battle droid humor. Uh, we didn't have a battle droid gets promoted. I, I would have loved that, but no, uh, just the, the what's happening, and then the, the response of "I don't know." Did we win? I mean, that's just that's just funny. Did we win? What there's a lot in this episode that functions as both tragedy and comedy, and I think "Did we win?" is a great tragic comedy yeah. line. Yeah, love that. So obviously not. You're on mm. a scrap heap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's absolutely great. Uh, I think my next one was, you know, I always love just kind of uh, background lines, particularly if they mm. are uh, delivered with a great amount of motion. And the Corellia worker sounds extra panicked when he yells, we've got blaster fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was one shot, a a bad shot uh, from that crossbow, but damn, Mm -hmm. I loved how panicked he was. Uh, It made me laugh. You know, somewhere Wu Hare is really proud. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's young Wu Hare. Maybe everything is connected. (laughs) Uh, I got to get out of here. I'm going to get a nice bartending job somewhere else. (laughs) No blasters, no blasters. This happened back on Corellia. Uh, What else for you? Uh, The... um, Moment, uh, what is it, Rafa up there on the uh, catwalk with uh, uh, Omega, the whole, uh, the, your arms look shaky, but just like, don't just stand there, grab a weapon. Omega's like, I had one. It's, it's, it's a, that's a A-plus delivery. Yes. Uh, Omega, you, you uh, used the term endearing, which I think is the perfect word uh, last week to describe the overall effect of Omega. But yeah, uh, her, her coming of age isn't just about knowledge in the galaxy and proficiency with weapon. It's also snark. <laughs> yeah, good old fashioned snark. <laughs> which was delivered well, which uh, obviously she's going to pick up from this crew. Um, for me, I, I feel horribly guilty about it, but I need to live my truth. Uh, I laughed out loud at 12.30 a.m. or whenever it was when Wrecker hit his head so hard. (laughs) Uh, This has, again, been one of those great, like, um, I would say Star Wars, you know, riding that line and having that tension between the absurd and the profound that he's the big bruiser who keeps violently hitting his head. And now it's becoming more and more clear to us that that is causing him great trauma and might even take away his autonomy his agency Mm. but the contrast between him pushing through his fear and bravely swinging across to just immediately cracking his head as hard as humanly possible i i laughed yeah yeah did did you laugh when wrecker hit his head or am i just a bad person no no i I, i'd love a good pratfall um i uh when i was in uh merchant of venice in high school i used to i was played old gobo and you know the character is, is blind actually sand blind he claims and i uh I, I every night would run straight into a wood pole probably again connecting to wrecker more than i know <laughs> it's a good ouch comedy bit works with me yeah i think it's also just building on the different ways that he's experiencing head wounds it's getting mm-hmm. to that point where they're going to be on some wide open desert planet and just a a, a bird is going to swoop oh, down God. a steel pecker is going to swoop down out of nowhere and hit wrecker in the head <laughs> no yeah. one else yeah yeah uh, all right what other some uh what are some other moments for you uh comedy moments i got uh well we got uh, yeah i know this has been talked about a lot but I've seen it already on, on Twitter, but uh, is the whole uh, is there an echo in here moment? The the absolute uh, old school comedy duo vaudeville bit, yeah, yes, that's a pretty big crystal clear bit of comedy there that we got to talk about. 
Thank you. I felt I was watching a, a, a road picture in 1944. Yes, absolutely was. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, I really liked, I really enjoyed it. Uh, did you enjoy it? I absolutely, I loved it. And it wasn't a, it, I guess you could say you saw it coming in a way and sometimes that works for me in comedy and sometimes it doesn't. This was one, it just was like nailed just perfection. It was such a, it was an homage to me of just an old, 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 um, old kind of routine, a vaudeville routine, like you said. It, it, so it worked. It absolutely worked. Yeah, I mean, I think what I liked about it is that it's two jokes and the one mm-hmm. joke distracts you from the other. Yeah. And the first joke of just the classic comedy duo bickering uh, siblings, this is straight Laurel and Hardy, Abbott and Costello. Uh, you could list a million uh, sitcoms. This is, you know, a honeymooners bit of the the person who is in the relationship technically, you know, yeah. lower station says something and then the person who's higher station says the exact same thing not giving the other person credit and you're left to wonder like did they just not hear or is it truly (laughs) the personality of the higher station person is that uh an idea is not valid until they hear themselves say it so like great classic that would have been like oh that's fun that makes sense for trace and rafa and that's fun but the fact that that is just the entry point to (laughs) is there an echo in here yes what i'm echo (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the and that's the part that gets funny to me is because yeah. it, it is a great joke uh diversion of you think we're making a joke over here but we're making a joke over here and then uh, for me what really makes it play is echo is being dead serious he is yeah. not in on the joke and i've kind of been waiting for more echo content yeah in, in, in focus and i feel like this episode without being like echoes episode there was a little bit more echo there was that hint yeah echo excuse me of of why he has the name echo of being a little bit more obsessed with the way it's done and then i can just kind of imagine him feeling like he's he hasn't been with bad batch as long before the whole galaxy changed and he's still trying to find his footing Mm -hmm. he wants to be valuable Mm -hmm. and then imagine that when he this new person they're working with is like is echo here yeah i'm here what do you need (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, you're, you're. Oh man, I love, I love, I love this. I love breaking down jokes with you here, yeah, because it, 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 it is truly the the final leg of of, of this uh, marathon uh, or this uh, uh, joke uh, joke uh, track and field contest. Yeah, it, it's 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 not a joke to him. It's a real moment. It's a moment to prove himself. It's a moment he's been waiting for. And there's no commenting on the joke. There's no. Uh, it, it it is. It stands. It just stands alone. It's there. Uh, it, it it that's the final beat that worked really well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think in general of just the, taking the big uh, pullback of like, well, why is this here? I do think this is one of those things that the show is doing really well of it is telling this horrific story of the Empire immediately just crushing down and dominating and harming the galaxy. But this is also Star Wars that really believes in, in hope. And I think the comedy is here. Uh, to make sure that these characters stay alive and this doesn't become a grim, dark story where it's just uh, clones mm-hmm. brooding, right? It is a coming of age. It is uh, uh, Omega taking her first steps into a larger world and, and seeing it through those youthful eyes. And it is seeing that all of our characters can still have uh, hope and levity even when they're in this, you know, hellscape. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Love it. Uh, last thing for me, and I bet you have it on your list too, is uh, <laughs> a great Omega beat of uh, the the Martez sisters asking, "Isn't that part of Ord Mantel CD?" I <laughs> make it very. It's great. I love that. <laughs> so, 
Yes, I loved it. Uh, I loved it because uh, Omega, she's so endearing. Uh, the, the blissfully unaware, she starts to lear, learn the big picture. I, full stop. I loved it there. That was it. I also loved it as a comment of, I, I even know some people who are like, oh, we're going to go to a bar downtown LA. I'm like, this, that that part? Yeah, it's great. Huh? I'm like, okay, okay, cool. Let's go live on the edge. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's a great contrast because we kind of got that, uh, that feedback from tech of like, oh, this place is charming. Yeah. Uh, and it makes so much sense for, uh, Omega, who hasn't seen much but Camino and just wants to see the world and go like, oh, bunch of weird, scary stuff everywhere. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was so so fun. Uh, all right. Any other comedy moments for you? Uh, no, uh, other than yeah. Overall, just uh, I, I think you touched upon something that I, when, when Star Wars humor works really well, it's this kind of stuff where it all um, helps uh, relieve some of the tension, but also moves everything forward and is insightful. Uh, I love a good. A uh, head bop probably isn't super insightful at times. Uh, this one may be so, but uh, I love the the smart comedy at, at work here, and it really uh, firing all on all cylinders. I'll say again, nice, nice. Well, let's fire on some cylinders of Star Wars canon lore connections to other stories because there was kind of a lot in this episode. Uh, I just want to start with the the Martez sisters, Trace and Rafa, and right. just um, the basic. Ken, were you happy to see them? Uh, does them appearing in this uh, show make Canon feel connected? What are your thoughts on all that? I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I, this is not something I think we've talked about two great characters we love and we'd love to see more of them. And I think um, because we're focused on some of the other characters we are, we've already met or ones we want to see, these are still relatively new characters. So you don't necessarily, they don't pop to mind right away for, for some fans. Uh, so I was really happy that really happy and it, it again it just isn't a hey look at us it is a real strong continuation from where we left off yeah i think when they first popped up i was uh really pleasantly surprised and i was like "Ooh, this is great gonna be great to find out you know where they are now how are they yeah. affected uh by by the empire by the republic falling in the empire rising they weren't big fans of jedi <laughs> yeah, <laughs> except right. for ahsoka which i think kind of gets referenced but yeah as the episode went on and, and it became clear everything that we were talking about of like this isn't just uh, as fun as it is a character you know popping up this is really showing their growth and showing uh the effect of somebody like uh, ahsoka can have uh on people i think it is a, a point for the jedi of showing uh, that kindness showing that it matters who and what you fight for. And then to see uh, Rafa, who is so jaded, have taken that lesson so to heart and to see them together was uh, in representing yeah. that it's, there's a reason that they're there. And then, yeah, for me, I think it, it does just make uh, the canon feel connected. I don't think there's ever really much of a challenge with the animated shows <laughs> right. not feeling connected, maybe with the acceptance of, of resistance because it's just on the timeline, it's kind of out there on its own. Right. Uh, but the tradition between particularly Clone Wars, Rebels, and now Bad Batch, it, it's really great to see that connection. Yeah, and and this one works. And I and I guess it's a maybe it's a comment on me and and my lack of faith in these two wonderful characters. I don't know when they popped up because the description on Disney Plus was very vague. Like uh, Bad Batch finds himself at odds with other smugglers for the same target or whatever it was. I'm thinking, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna get a second team here uh, it's dengar right yeah <laughs> yeah well right well, a little bit of that or just something like that and and then um so when it pops when when it's trace and rafa i literally went 
oh, they kind of went back to how they were. Like I was, and then I was like, man, I just said no faith in them or Ahsoka. What a, I just felt real bad. <laughs> I felt real bad. I owe them an apology. I owe them an apology. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I was right there with you going, hmm, what is this about? Is this a yeah. story of darkness where the Empire has made them go like, look, it's it's hard out there. We got to do what we have to do. Uh, Complete yeah. opposite. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, powerful. Yeah. And I also think it, it, it's another uh, point in the column of patience, uh, because I think a lot of people weren't sure about those episodes of Clone Wars season seven. Mm-hmm. Um I, I really like those episodes. I do sometimes wonder if the story could have been told in a in a shorter fashion. I, I think, yeah. but I think the here's four episodes about the clones. Here's four episodes about Ahsoka. Here's the the episode of uh, four episode finale about uh, Ahsoka and the clones. It all works really well. But now I enjoy it even more because this episode benefits from the sheer volume of time and nuance uh, that we spent with Trace and Rafa in season seven. Uh, totally, totally. Uh, so then let's get into the thing that I think the episode wants us to talk about. I have not had a time to see uh, what the, the Star Wars uh, talkosphere is talking about. Uh, but the the great, uh, who are they communicating with at the end? Uh, I do believe they use male pronouns, so it is a he. Uh, what what takes did you have, Ken? Were you, were you, did you feel teased? <laughs> and did you have an answer to your own teasing? Yeah, uh, I... I you go in any direction, uh, uh, pronouns aside there, and then I, I you literally put a list of Ahsoka Rex, Bale, Maul, Maul, Saw, Rykan, Dodana, Lux Monteri, Shriv, Moochie. <laughs> Moochie, yeah, Moochie. I love it. Moochie in a cloak, I love it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think Rex for my money or Bale, but I'll go Rex. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's Rex. I think that there is that desire to have some, you know, ooh, what if uh, Soka is active in this moment? Um, you know, the the novel uh, timeline. You know, I haven't dug into that. The big thing for me is is I did dig into R seven A seven Ahsoka's droid yep. uh, that is with her when she flies in the Clone Wars and featured at different points throughout the Clone Wars. Also featured in that final episode of Victory and Death. Uh, they mention their droid is R7, and the coloring uh, is very similar to me. So I do think it's R7A7. And I uh, mm. went back and reviewed that final episode of Clone Wars. Uh, R- say A- R7A7 uh, does get shot. Uh, but then uh, when Rex and Ahsoka have buried the clones and are setting up that you know amazing uh, memorial mm-hmm. with their helmets, there is a shot of the pieces of R7A7 piled up under the Y-Wing. Um, mm. so for me that really feels like yeah they put r7a7 back together um we would assume from the ahsoka novel uh that uh that r7 is not with her so it makes a lot of sense to me that yes r7 is uh with rex and he has made some connection to trace and rafa yeah and i think it's a good test for star wars fans um around the world to have to use the that word assume or, or the phrase we think based on recent, you know, <laughs> canon blurrings. We yeah. can't all be know-it-all experts, and that's a good thing for us. Yeah, and I want it to be fun to speculate, right? Like, yeah. um, in, in that's the thing, too, that sometimes, you know, if, uh, if we say uh, <laughs> uh, one even ambiguous thing or one incorrect thing, sometimes it's not fun to get tweets, even if they're, they're meant well to be like, but this, 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 you know, and I want to be able to have fun speculating particularly when the show invites you to right i mean yeah. this was a straight up cliffhanger to make you go ooh who is it yeah. <laughs> you know 
So I want to be able to embrace that fun and, and not be afraid of, uh, of being, you know, quote unquote wrong, because right now we're having fun speculating. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So my money's on Rex. Second, I'll, you know, I'll say Dodonna, Jan Dodonna. Oh, nice. Young, young Dodonna. <laughs> Younger Dodonna. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I really lean toward, uh, toward Rex, particularly with the underline of like the clones and the fact that Rex has been, you know, mentioned in the series. And, and I believe there is a shot of him in, in the teaser trailer. Yeah. Um, in one of the trailers. So I'm very excited uh, to see Rex wearing what looks like a poncho. <laughs> we love our ponchos, the underrated uh, wardrobe uh, 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 in Star Wars. Could be a cloak. Uh, could be Bail Organa. You're right. Uh, could yeah. be Lux Monteri. But right now I'm speculating Rex in a poncho. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we've talked about it a, a lot, but also canon in this episode, just uh, spending some uh quality time horrific quality time with battle droids of all kinds b1 b2 tactical droid uh any other thoughts on on that canon connection uh the, the big one was uh kind of what we we're talking about um about what they might be used for i, I think um again i'd say implied to a certain degree you know, we, we don't know um, the effects quite yet on that or maybe we'll get it in some book somewhere i so i love though the idea of just seeing seeing what happened to the droids, but also it's a bit of circle of life when you go back to attack the clones and kind of see how a lot of them are built. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is truly a little dust to dust type of action going on here. Yeah. From Geonosis to Corellia, the life of a battle droid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's also like, um, I, I like that they are appearing uh, because we are dealing with, uh, the immediate aftermath of the Clone Wars, right? And that's what's yeah. exciting about it. I really hope we get some episodes with um, mm-hmm. some people who uh, were explicitly separatists and what's going on with them um, and more moments of different uh, crime lords going, all right, we are open for business uh, so we can really enjoy the uniqueness of this uh, time period and battle droids being melted down for parts is uh, a unique part of where we are in the timeline. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's go on to Corellia. Any other thoughts on on visiting the home of Han Solo? I I was excited, and I didn't expect to. I thought maybe we might see like Lady Proxima or something like that, or the early early White Worm Gang. Uh, I had those vibes, but I just got excited because in my head I was like, somewhere, somewhere, a real young Han and Kira are just roaming around. You know, just yeah, like there, there. We see Coronet City. It's I, I was I just I just I loved all that. Love that connection. Yeah, I think for me, what it really made me appreciate is, look, uh, the the planet Corellia has been known for a long time, right? And just hearing that would have been cool. But with the solo film, getting to spend time there, getting to even just visually, but also through the lines of Han about how his father used to build, you know, mm-hmm. be on the line building the YT-1300s. And you know a little bit of the um, the feel and the history of this place. And without the episode needing to be explicit about it, we know that people's lives are changing uh, because mm-hmm. what used to be a proud, you know, uh, uh, community uh, uh, culture of builders who make great things and are proud of it, you know, they're going to be ground down into just, you know, uh, poorly paid, mistreated people who are just pumping out uh, the machinery of war and the pride is gone and the pain is in. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. And I think just, you know, having, 
having that direct connection to those emotions and ideas because of solo that then enhanced this episode is really great. Yeah. And it's on a, just a surface level, again, fun, but just to see, you know, you can't help but just think of those opening uh, moments and, and, and solo star, star story. And I, just for fans of that movie, it's a little bit of uh fun and, and small, small amount of vindication, but also just, uh, it's truly connected. It's truly the star Wars galaxy we're roaming around in. So it yeah. Works. Absolutely. Uh, a couple more for me. Uh, the Athorian with the blue jumper. Uh, they have done this gag in Clone Wars Season 7, but I love seeing uh, the Athorian dressed <laughs> like the action figure Hammerhead was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the ridiculous uh, blue jazzercise jumper. Uh, I believe this character's name is Bolo. Uh, there's a character's name in the credits, Bolo and Catch. Um, and I, I tried to dig for it. I believe he's Bolo. And that would make sense. And I feel like we're going to probably spend more quality time with Bolo. So uh, yeah. <laughs> excited for that. Yeah. We'll get a, we'll get a new, uh, we'll get a new authorian figure, uh, Bolo, uh, and, and, but the same classic kind of look. Yes. Just named Bolo now. And then having, having a little bit of that uh, tech uh, on his neck mm-hmm. back hump. Uh, how did you feel about those police droids? Uh, the police droids themselves seem to be new, but the language they were speaking sure wasn't. How did you feel about that? No, you, one of them drops an Echuta, and, uh, you know, <laughs> how rude. Uh, no, I did like it. it it's it's similar to Mandalorian when you can throw a a, a, a a police droid or a security droid or an enforcer droid that are maybe technically uh, not on the good side, but just, you know, they're doing their job, whatever. It, it, and our heroes need to destroy them. It, it's, 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 uh, it's easier to do that with droids, right? <laughs> so I like yeah. yeah. Otherwise they would have had to been what, stunning a bunch of uh, yeah, underpaid yeah. Corellians. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I loved uh, hearing the police droid uh, drop the old E-bomb of uh, Ichika. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I should, you're right. I should mute myself here on the floor. <laughs> it is very rude. Uh, final thing for me is the uh, the Bad Batch's ship, the Havoc Marauder, clinging to the Imperial <laughs> cargo ship and Echo saying this old trick. How did you feel about that? Was that uh, calling it. out the trick too much? No, loved it. Loved it because it's a weird circle, right? So he's referencing an old trick for us, but a trick that's 20 plus years from happening in Empire Strikes Back with the Falcon. <laughs> so I just love... I love. I just loved. It. I don't know. It just worked for me as a, as an old uh, old Star Wars fan. I guess it just was like a a good nod. It just I didn't laugh out loud. I just went like, yeah, that's fun. That's great. It did. It does drive home what's going on in Empire that the stiff, rigid uh, in Empire is not familiar with this uh, trick. But Boba Fett's like, come on, Solo. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. sad. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Uh, any other moments of canon connection that you wanted to uh, highlight, discuss? Yeah, just one I wanted to highlight. In the beginning there, in the background, there's a slot machine that has a battle droid jackpot and a clone trooper helmet on the on the casing of the, of the game. And <laughs> on, so I want to play that, number one. But two, what's the story there? Like, on the, I missed this one. So it's like yeah. on the video game itself, like this yeah. is a Clone Wars video game? Yeah, and, and it's got like... Uh, you know, like a slot machine, the three, uh, the three wheels and the, and the, I think the center and the right one have the battle droid in the center, uh, 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 you know, spot. And then the left one's down below. Like it's, you almost got a droid jackpot. Okay. Uh, so not a video game, but a slot machine. Slot machine. I yeah, wonder like, how the clones feel about that. Video slot. Yeah. And then on the, so I said, oh, that's pretty funny. And then they kind of pull out and on, on the box, on the casing of the machine, on the game is a, a clone. Uh, it's a clone trooper helmet. So like, is, is the point of the game? to destroy battle droids by getting the jackpot? Like, is this what's going on? 
Uh, well, when they physically make that game and it costs five thousand dollars, <laughs> uh, maybe maybe we can uh, I mean, save up our allowance. You know me with Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings slots. You've been with me in Vegas. Uh, you know, you put that there. I'll be dumping quarters in there all day. Yeah, I mean, I might, uh, I might stage an intervention. I think you could, you could lose a lot to, to that uh, slot machine. I need to get the battle droid. <laughs> You're trying to fight for good. You're making your choice. I won't get in the way of that. Uh, was there anything in this episode then that you disliked or questioned? I, none, none of this is is tinged with any negativity. It's just a question. It's just a thought, and it's part of the. The victory of the episode and the part of just me wanting to have a discussion about it here. So follow me here. We, we got we got Fennet. We got Trace and Rafa now. We, we potentially, you know, we do believe we have Rex and, and others along the way and, and, and Corellia. And they all fit seamlessly into the story. And I don't think you need to know much about it. You get it. Trace and Rafa can be complete strangers to you. You get it. They are opposing smugglers who are fighting for a bigger cause. Fennec Shan, even Sid says it. I know who that is, but that looks like a bounty hunter. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like that's all you need to know. And 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 these uh, the creatives here are doing great work with it. So this isn't uh, that kind of question, but it's like, so I I love what they're doing. I, I I will Bad Batch stand on its own, and I don't even know what that means. Is this Mando season one? I guess, or is it Mando season two, where it starts to become a, a roll call of, of people and planets and things we know? And then maybe is that what we all just maybe we're okay with it? I'm countering myself here that uh, that that's kind of maybe what we need or what we want. This has been a wonderful cross section of eras with strong emotional canon connections, so it's doing everything right. I believe uh, I've been enjoying it, but uh, this episode I, I just had a couple of those moments of like, man, if if you know the story of Trace and Rafa, this might mean a little bit more. I don't know, I don't know, and I just I just thought now's a good time to maybe uh, talk about it. Yeah, no, it, it really uh, came to the forefront of my mind this episode as well of, yeah, all the other episodes, there are things that you definitely enjoy more if you know the depth and you know the connections. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, this episode, maybe it was because the combination of uh, Trace and Rafa and also like the tactical droid. Like if you've yeah. watched that tactical droid, those tactical droids, those many tactical droids, uh, bring the pain to the clones uh, yeah. episode after episode in the Clone Wars, you've kind of experienced that. You have actually gone through and like, yeah, I remember when the tactical droid learned that and learned that and <laughs> slaughtered this many clones, that you have an emotional relationship to that. There's nothing that you can't understand because both Sid and Tech explain it to us. Um, but there is a, a stronger emotional connection. Um, I think my hope is that if somebody was had seen the little bits and pieces of star Wars, but eh, they're going to try out this bad bat show. Mm. My hope is that it would feel like a uh, tip of the iceberg storytelling. Like we talk about where it's yeah. a fun discovery. You ha you have everything you need to understand the episode and you have everything you need uh, to emotionally invest in Omega and these clones who had their life just totally turned upside down. You have everything you need just in this show to go on an emotional journey. And I hope it's, like a fun tip of the iceberg storytelling where you watch this episode, you understand who Trace and Rafa are. And then it's a fun discovery. Like what there's, I can yeah. basically go watch their prequel. I can go yeah. watch their origin story. Awesome. That's what I hope the experience is for people who aren't super all in. Yeah, no, I, I think it is. Like I said, I, no negativity tension to this question. I just know, I know, you know, Mando season two, I, I enjoyed, you enjoyed, but there were, there were some conversations out there. I, I know some friends of ours who were like, ah, they just started to 
roll call people I knew before. I wish it had nothing to do with anything that I've, I've known before, which is which is a, a fair desire to have. I, I would point out Trace and Rafa in season seven. We got a lot of who are them? Who are they? What's going on? Give us people we know. And now they're characters from the past, the recent past. You know, that's just kind of how it works. Uh, I think that's an interesting phenomenon. So I think they're doing a great job. I just w- wondering, it's like, I, I, are we going to have a, guest star every week of uh you knew them from and i don't know i don't think we are but like and again by the way i think i'm okay with that they're doing a they're doing a great job with it um i just wonder if will will it become too much will you start seeing some of those tweets and stuff i don't know yeah i feel like for me the, there's like all sorts of different ways to approach this question there's the mm-hmm. the question of how accessible is uh, any individual story of star wars can you just sit down and watch it uh, mm-hmm. Then there's the question of can we ever uh, just to kind of even prove that Star Wars can have a, a story or a show or a movie that really doesn't butt up against a lot of other things we know, mm-hmm. uh, main characters or main timeline. And I think that was the Mandalorian conversation. The first season felt like this is just uh, this Mandalorian's adventure. It's not connected to big things. And then the second one is uh, season is Boba Fett, Ahsoka, Luke Skywalker, you know, perhaps the biggest thing. Uh, And then there's that question of, uh, is we always try to ask of why are the characters there? Do they inform, um, Mm -hmm. do they make sort of canonical sense? uh, And do they inform the journey of the main character that we're following? Yeah. And I think, for me, my answer in in Mandalorian season two was like, yes, they 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 were important mm-hmm. uh, emotional steps in Din's journey, and they were logical to this lived in universe of myths and legends. That this is the legend who is operating them. That's what that's who would show up. That's who would answer this call. And I feel the same about Bad Batch right now, because I don't feel like it's just like last week of uh, we need a we need a villain who's a cool one you know like i love he-man he-man's a totally different you know beast uh but you know like you just turn on an episode of he-man back when i was a kid and like well uh some weeks it's beast man uh some weeks it's merman <laughs> other times evil lynn's the the main hench person the zygarians showed up to help paint the picture of what the galaxy is mm-hmm. trace and rafa showed up to help paint the picture of what the galaxy is they seem so chosen to let us understand not just how the bad batch is affected by the new order but by how the whole galaxy is so as a as a fan for myself i'm loving it bring it on let me know how every person i've ever met in star wars who's alive right now is affected by this yeah going back to what we're saying about the planets up top of yeah you're going you're not just roll calling the planets you're actually seeing these planets that you know and now they're affected you're just getting little case study there. Yeah. I, again, I'm on it. I'm, I, I, and I'm mostly positive for that kind of stuff. Right. Like I love the new characters. I love, uh, I'll, I'll die on the hill of, of, of Holdo should have been Holdo and Akbar should have been Akbar. You know, I, you know, for many reasons, but a lot of them just like, I want new characters. Uh, I want that. But I also, this is star Wars. I love the, this, this 19 year time period. I'm kind of don't want the Skywalker saga to end. Like I have trouble with Thrawn adventures that have nothing to do with this galaxy. I know like I, I, or regions, you know, so I, I'm there on both sides of it, but it is it, like we always say in, in, in punditine about star Wars, it's, it's truly about the execution of, of the, the, the story and, and all the pieces put together. And they're doing a great job. They're doing a great job. It just, it, you, this episode particularly, because I don't think I was expecting Trace and Rafa where I was waiting for Fennec Shand, this was like, oh, okay, cool. We're, we're doing this. And, 
And how's that working? And do I like it? And, and I think the answer sometimes it's nice to be reaffirmed. The answer is yes for me. Yeah, the answer is yes for me as well. And I think uh, because I feel like anyone could sit down and watch Bad Batch and, and yeah. still be hooked by the main characters and in, in their journey. Totally. Um, and, and the rest is just depth and uh, connection mm-hmm. that is hopefully an invitation to explore more Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I feel so strongly about this. You know what I want, Ken? <laughs> I really want the Bad Batch to go to Naboo and I want Tech and CO Bibble to have a long conversation together. This is exactly what we need. That's exactly what we need. Come on. <laughs> uh, anything else that you disliked or questioned in this episode? No, no, absolutely not. Yeah, this is an incredibly tiny thing uh, for me, but I, I think it is a, uh, a reflection of the fact of how excited I am for Omega to find that bow and to make it a part of her individuality and her identity that uh, the shot of her finding it was very fast. Um, oh, yeah. I, partially because I was just... The, my first view, I watched this twice, and in my first uh, watch through, uh, I was just like, I'm intrigued by everything else that is going on in the episode. When is Omega going to find the bow? <laughs> yeah. And the shot of her finding is is very fast. Uh, so uh, that is my horrific criticism of this episode. Linger longer on uh, crossbow shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about hopes for next episode. Uh, I'm already thrown out there. They got to go to Naboo to see how things are going there. And I want Seal Bibble uh, to explicitly state his feelings and the reality of what's going on and see how tech handles that. Uh, do you have hopes for the next episode? Yeah, I need them to not need. That's that's a dangerous word. Star Wars talking. Huh? Um, I would love <laughs> to see them deal with the, the, a choice that seems to be made. And when you go back to Sid and say you failed. And if you tell her the truth, uh, you, you, you know, does that butt up, butt up against the choice she's made for you? And, and maybe this next episode or two is them really deciding which direction they're going in this galaxy. Yeah, the way that these last few episodes were connected of their their own adventure, but they're very serialized, made me feel very much like the next episode might have a, a heart to heart with Hunter and Sid with Hunter going, mm-hmm. you know, hey, this works for us up to a point but we yeah. need to know what we're working for. Um, yeah, and then I, I kind of like uh, that we have a lot of great threads and you don't know which one's going to go off, right? Next week could be uh, Wrecker's head goes off. Uh, mm-hmm. Next week could be uh, Crosshair or somebody else catches up with them. Next week could be, hey, we got some information somewhere about uh, exactly who Fennec Shand is or who might have hired her or uh, perhaps my biggest hope that Rex comes looking for the Bad Batch because that's... Yeah, our direct cliffhanger, and I sometimes do like just picking up on the direct cliffhanger. If that is Rex, which is uh, our assumption right now, uh, and he's being given information of like, yeah, there are these rogue clones, and I know exactly where they are. That Rex would go, great, here we go. Great indeed. Any other uh, thoughts or hopes for uh, next episode? Um, uh, no, no. I, yeah, in terms of plot, yeah, the reveal. Like, I wouldn't mind some of this stuff. Uh, you know, even who's behind Fennec and all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't mind some answers here and there, but uh, I'm okay with uh, stretching it out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's have some fun stretching. Is there anything that we haven't talked about in this episode that you wanted to touch on? I do want to highlight. You mentioned her up top. You're always uh, great to make sure we give the directors and writers uh, credit. Uh, credit, but Amanda Rose uh, Munoz. This is her first credited Star Wars story. Uh, and uh, what a spectacular job. I, it was really um, probably the most complete uh, episode for me so far this season, uh, and, and really uh, tip of the cap to Amanda Rose Munoz. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to see uh, a lot of that great mix of Star Wars new and old, a lot of those directors we know well, obviously a lot of the people behind 
the show uh, is uh, executives and um, you know showrunners have been involved for a long time, then it's great to see these other people celebrating. This is my first Star Wars script, and they're great scripts. Yeah. Uh, so great mix of new and old. Uh, the thing that we haven't talked about that I wanted to touch on is after I watched that first episode and I was reflecting on all the things that you and I just talked about with uh, Trace and Rafa, mm-hmm. it suddenly popped into my head, how long until Hondo? Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, do, are you excited for Hondo to continue his uh, animation supremacy? <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I am. I love, I, I've grown, I, I, I've grown to, I think I always liked Hondo. It, it, it just, but it, um, Especially on a rewatch of uh, Clone Wars that you and I uh, have been doing on Clone Wars Report, I yeah, I, I, I like Hondo. I want to see the different chapters of his life. Yeah, the next chapter of Hondo, I think he will uh, pop up in Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could have a figure or toy of any character or moment from this episode, what do you want? I forgot I wrote this down. I just scrolled down and I'm gonna laugh because we already talked about it. But uh, I do need a life size clone slot machine. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I got a bit of a problem. I forgot I put that down. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that one might actually come true someday. Uh, for me, I, I always like those cinema scenes uh, that they used to make with the three and three quarter action figures, the three posed. I would love a cinema scene of the crossbow training. So you got Sid, Omega, and then uh, Bolo, the betting authorian. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, and then the other thing I want is because I did like it and the twist uh, in the story, uh, I would like a life size data rod, just a. A USB that is just entirely too large because it's <laughs> made to look like it's from Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love novelty USB uh, external hard drive things. <laughs> yeah. So those are our demands to yeah. the galaxy, to the force itself, uh, life-size slot machines and data rods. Yeah. Uh, with that, Ken. Do you want to let people know where they can find us? Oh, man, I'd uh, love to. We are Force Center Podcast. Thank you all. A lot of new ears coming through to check out the uh, Bad Batch Report, so uh, we appreciate that. Uh, We uh, can be found on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We are on Instagram and YouTube as well. Uh, We also can be followed on Facebook at Force Center Podcast. You can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. If you'd like to get an audio book on us, go to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. And uh, you can also find the podcast in a lot of spots, including Anchor, uh, iHeartMedia, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, Amazon Music. The list goes on and on and on. And, of course, you can support us directly by going to patreon.com slash Force Center. You can also follow me at Catnapsock or go to my website, catnapsock.com. Also check out the gpa.fun where we're building an empire of fun over there. And for you, Joseph, where can they go? Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And for all my other comedy adventures, you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Clone Wars slot machines, this has been the Bad Batch Report. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.